Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, July 14th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Scorching prices could mean higher interest rates, but will that cool inflation? And Ukraine and Russia are making progress on grain talks, says the United Nations. Plus, a partnership between Europe and China to put satellites in space went very, very wrong. And there's a larger tale to tell. The nub of the story is really what these low Earth orbit constellations will mean for the future of telecommunications and how countries and governments are going to regulate this increasingly competitive space. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Markets barely reacted to the latest U.S. inflation numbers out yesterday, and they were worse than expected. Prices for June rose 9.1% over last year. But there's a lot to say about what this number means for the Federal Reserve and the economy. Here to break this down is the FT's U.S. economics editor, Colby Smith. Hey, Colby. Hi, Mark. So, Colby, the the market really hasn't reacted to this. I mean, yesterday, the S&P 500 was down like half a percent. Uh, Why is that? I think most notably, we've had a really big shift in interest rate expectations for the Federal Reserve and its upcoming policy meeting at the end of the month. Prior to this inflation report, essentially, economists and market participants were pricing in a very high likelihood that the Fed was going to proceed with another 75 basis point interest rate increase. But what we did see over the course of yesterday was the fact that the odds for a full percentage point interest rate increase have jumped quite uh, significantly. So th- that's going to be a challenge, I think, for the Fed as it contemplates what actually to do at the end of the month, especially when you have investors essentially pricing in uh, that outcome. And yesterday we saw that, right? Like we saw the Bank of Canada announce that they were going to raise rates by a full basis point. Like, central banks are not kidding around when when it comes to trying to get inflation under control. But is it going to work? I mean, is this going to make a difference? I think that's the big question. Uh, the important point to note about monetary policy that you hear quite often is that it works with long and variable lags. So no one's really anticipating that the Fed moving 75 basis points or 100 basis points at the meeting at the end of the month is going to make a demonstrable difference on inflation, on realized inflation, i.e. the inflation that we're seeing in these consumer price uh, reports each month. Now, President Biden yesterday said that this is not a good indicator of where we are now because fuel prices dropped in July. What are economists saying about where inflation is headed and and could June be a peak? Uh, so that is certainly going to help headline inflation. But I think what economists are most concerned about, especially in the most uh, recent reading of inflation, is the fact that core prices, which are ones that strip out volatile items like food and energy, those are continuing to rise at a pretty rapid clip. And what that essentially means is this inflation problem goes well beyond supply-related issues. It goes well beyond the spike in energy prices. The fear and the expectation really is that inflation prints are going to stay quite high and well, well, well above the Fed's 2% target for quite some time. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. economics editor. Thanks, Colby. Thank you.
Military officials from Russia and Ukraine have been negotiating the safe passage of grain through the Black Sea in order to avoid a global grain crisis. The talks are backed by the United Nations, and yesterday, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the two sides have made very substantive progress after this first round in Istanbul. About 20 million tons of grain are trapped in Ukraine as a result of a Russian blockade on Ukraine's ports. Guterres suggested a final deal could be reached as soon as next week. There's a new space race brewing. Companies are vying to dominate the business of low-Earth orbit satellites and, ultimately, the future of telecommunications. Right now, the top player is Elon Musk's SpaceX. But a few years ago, a German company teamed up with Chinese investors to try and take on SpaceX. The project ultimately failed, and a lot of that had to do with geopolitics. Our China correspondent, Eleanor Olcott, wrote about this project called Clio Connect, and she joins me now to talk more about it. So, Ellie, how did a German company link up with Chinese investors? The partnership began um, really in the mid-2010s. The German space entrepreneurs were looking for investment uh, for their low-Earth orbit constellation. They went to the US, they tried to find investors in Europe, and eventually settled on Chinese investors, a consortium of state-backed investors who agreed to provide the financing and some of the technological support to develop out this incredibly ambitious project. And what exactly was it trying to achieve? So they wanted to build a satellite constellation that would service, in the Chinese words, customers from fishing boats to the Shanghai port. They were going to initially put up 300 low Earth orbit satellites. And basically the proximity to the planet means that these kinds of constellations can deliver much faster internet connection than the geostationary satellites that we've been primarily using so these uh, LEO satellite constellations really have the capacity to, to revolutionize certain industries, including high-frequency trading, autonomous driving. And this joint venture between the Germans and the Chinese was intended to be one of the leading satellite constellations in competition with Elon Musk's SpaceX. So Eleanor, as I understand it from your story, one of the things that attracted the Chinese investors is that the German company had really valuable satellite licenses. Companies have to get these licenses from a United Nations telecoms agency. But the licenses are actually the thing that the two sides ended up fighting over. Why is that? The satellite licenses that this German company uh, had, ClearConnect, were described to me as being Goldilocks of licenses. So that means when the ClearConnect constellation, if it were to be put up, When it came into the same orbital position or or was sharing the same radio frequency with other constellations, the other constellations would have to bow down and give it um, access in in that network. So, So it was a really, really valuable asset that they had and an asset which became the subject of an intense and acrimonious battle between the German side and the Chinese side. So how did the dispute begin? The dispute almost started from day one, the moment that they signed the contract, they started fighting on details as small as expat relocation packages to as big as the choice of satellite manufacturer. Eventually, the Germans started to grow suspicious that the Chinese were trying to steal the constellation for use in China. 
And the Chinese then argued that the Germans eagerly took their money only to conspire behind their backs to sell the licenses to a new bidder. So at the end of the joint venture's life, you have this new third party coming in, a US telecoms company called Gravada, with links to the Republican Party and the Pentagon swooping in to snap up these licenses. The second and perhaps more fundamental reason, aside from the kind of corporate differences, was really relations between China and the West have deteriorated substantially. So you have governments, including in DC and Beijing, growing more and more concerned about the national security challenges posed by the growing number of commercial Leo constellations, including potential military use. So what's happening now? I I understand the Chinese side has filed lawsuits and and not just against German partners. Yes, there have already been 60 lawsuits that have made their way through German courts just relating to Clio Connect itself. The Chinese have also initiated legal proceedings against Rivada, which was the company that has now snapped up the licenses and are also initiating legal proceedings against their German partners in in Germany and in Liechtenstein. It's really a question of whether or not either company is going to be able to have control of these licenses with the kind of rocky path ahead in terms of the legal disputes. That's the FT's Eleanor Olcott. The race to become the next British prime minister is heating up. Frontrunners are emerging. And to hear FT insights into this momentous occasion in UK politics, we've got a webinar to tell you about. It's only for subscribers, and it's called Britain After Boris Johnson. Join our political editor, George Parker, and colleagues this Friday at 1 p.m. London time. The link is ft.com slash after Johnson. That's ft.com slash after Johnson. We'll also put that in the show notes. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.